them, our children, while they're leaving, how many uh, present and former military are here today? Would you stand? Present or former military, would you stand? Look at that. All right, amen. Thank you. We uh, appreciate you. And, uh, you know, I've always been fascinated with the military. I've always been fascinated with, uh, with the, you know, any branch. And I've often thought, well, you know, if I had it to do over again, uh, would I do things differently? Now, I'd still be in the ministry. I'd still be preaching. But would I maybe have taken a little bit different route? And I thought, you know, it would have been pretty cool to, to go into the military for a little bit. I don't know, something about the... Uh, some of y'all are going, nah. <laughs> something about the, you know, maybe flying a jet or, uh, you know, riding in a tank or floating on a ship the size of, of uh, this, a city, a floating city, or, you know, it, it just seems like it would be pretty cool. The camaraderie of uh, working alongside or fighting alongside other men and, you know, those kinds of things kind of always appeal to me. Uh, for some reason, getting to shoot a gun, maybe something bigger than a gun, a big bazooka or, uh, you know, a rocket launcher or something like that. You know, that'd be cool. Or blowing stuff up. Is there a guy that doesn't like blowing stuff up? <laughs> that would be cool. But, you know, I want to talk to you about this month um, that we are all soldiers. We really are. If you're a Christian... If you've been saved, you didn't know it maybe at the time you got saved, but uh, as you have learned, you realize that being a Christian isn't easy, is it? In fact, some of us, most of us would probably call it a day-to-day battle, wouldn't you? You battle temptation. You battle sin. You battle those old selfish desires in your heart, in your life. I do. It's a battle. It's a war going on that started from the very beginning of time when God allowed the devil, the serpent, to slither into the Garden of Eden and to tempt mankind with sin. Well... We could go back and ask, why did God do that? Well, uh, my simple answer is just that uh, he could have forced you to love him or he could have given you a will that you choose to love him. And I think true love is chosen love, not forced love. So that's one of, to me, that's a simple explanation of why God even allowed the devil. Why God even put that tree in the middle of the garden and said, don't eat of it. Because genuine love is chosen love. But from that moment on, we have been in a battle uh, and by the way, this battle is not between God and the devil. <laughs> the devil doesn't hold a candle to the power of God. The devil's power and authority is borrowed for a limited amount of time. The Bible says for a short time. His, his power has been borrowed from God. God's already won the victory. He's already, the devil is a defeated foe, so the battle is not God versus Satan, okay? That's not the battle. The battle is you and me fighting against the forces of darkness. The devil and his crowd and the influences that he 
uses in this world today. So this morning, I want to begin a new series entitled March. March. Now, see, that's not the part of the military that I probably would have enjoyed, was marching, putting on that 40, 50, 60-pound rucksack and, and marching forever and ever and ever and ever. I wouldn't have enjoyed that, but Christ is our commander-in-chief. And uh, he's given us some marching orders as his commander-in-chief. And the first thing he tells us is that we are a soldier. Say this with me. I am a soldier. I am a soldier of Jesus Christ. I'm under his commission. I must follow him. All right. And every soldier has four things in common. Actually, five. We're going to start with the fifth one next Sunday. The first one he has in common, every soldier, whether it's the military that you were served in or the military or the, or the commission of Christ that you're serving in, every soldier has these things in common. First of all, a cause to uphold or defend. Those of you who served in the military, you were, you were defending a cause, the cause of freedom for your nation. You were upholding that, that, the Constitution of the United States and the right to live as a free country. So what is it that we, as the soldiers of Jesus Christ, what are we upholding? What are we defending? Turn with me to the book of Ephesians. And I want you to look at chapter 1, I'm sorry, chapter 6. And here we're, this is the infamous passage of Scripture about the armor of God. And I want to begin reading with verse 10 and read through verse 20. He says, Paul writes, Finally, my brethren, and by the way, I want you to understand that as Paul is writing this, he is chained to a Roman guard. He is in a Roman prison. He is looking at the soldier of the Roman army, and he's looking at the pieces of his weaponry and armor, and he's comparing it to our fight. So he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand an evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end, to this cause, for this purpose, with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints, and for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Paul says, I'm a soldier, I'm in the army, I've got on the army of God. Why? Because I am an ambassador, I am 
I am in it for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Friends, that is the cause we uphold. That is what we're defending. In our own nation, we're having to defend the word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, be a soldier. Let me ask these military folks, what would happen if you deserted? Back in the old days, what happened when you deserted? You'd be shot. What would happen, Brother David, if you deserted? Oh, he said, still shot. But how many Christians are deserting their post when the battle is intensified in our nation? And the, wickedness are, the wicked are coming against God's people and the word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ and what we believe in and hold dear. He says, we're in a battle. Soldiers have a cause to uphold and defend. You don't desert your post, Christians. And let me say this while I'm thinking about it. If you didn't show up to vote Tuesday, shame on you. You are deserting your post. And you better vote in November. And you better vote according to the principles of God's word. If you are a soldier, you're enlisted in the battle. You don't have a choice. Listen, when you enlist in the military, are you your own man, Bob? No, sir. No, sir. <laughs> Who do you belong to when you enlist in the military? Uncle Sam. You're not your own man anymore, are you, Maurice? You've got to do what they tell you to do. When they tell you to do it, how they tell you to do it, and if you didn't do it right, they're going to let you know all up in your face, right? Exactly. <laughs> Listen, we're answering to a commander-in-chief who's higher than Uncle Sam. And when we don't show up and we don't do things the way we ought to be doing them, man, shame on us. We have a greater cause than the cause of freedom from oppression in this world. We have the cause of Christ, which offers eternal freedom from sin and Satan and death and hell. We're presenting and promoting the gospel of Jesus Christ that offers people hope and salvation from sin and from just the temporary existence that they're living. That's what we're fighting for. That's what we're fighting to uphold. That's what we're fighting to defend. Friends, it's not just to stand against stuff. It's to stand for God. It's to stand for His truth. It's to uphold His word, His name. That's what you've been enlisted to do. You have a cause to uphold. The gospel is God's plan for all people. I want you to just notice, secondly, every soldier has an enemy to face in battle. Out of those of you who stood, um, how many of you served active duty in the sense that you went to war? You were engaged in, a, in battle of some sort. Would you raise your hand? All right. Several of you. All right. You had to literally face that enemy. You know, we, uh, in our last church, we had a Vietnam, well, two Vietnam vets, actually three, uh, but one of them was uh, uh, infantry and literally faced the uh, enemy in Vietnam. In fact, he uh, suffered from uh, the side effects of being sprayed with Agent Orange, which you know was that which they sprayed to defoliate the, the jungle 
uh, to keep the guerrilla fighters from being able to hide in the jungle. Well, he was accidentally sprayed with that stuff, and, and, uh, but he had to face the enemy. And the Bible says that our enemy, look what he says in verse 11. He said, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of who? The devil, the tricks, the schemes, the devices of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Our battle is not with the government. Our battle is not with, with who we don't like uh, running for president. Our battle is not with uh, the unbelievers in this world. That's not our enemy. They're not the enemy. And I think that's the problem in a lot of churches. We're seeing the enemy as people. I, I, I get that twisted up sometimes. That's why I fussed at the TV when the news channel's on because I'm looking at that person as the enemy. That's not the enemy. That's the per person who the enemy is using. But that's not the enemy. It's not flesh and blood. Our enemy, he says, principalities. That is the demons, the devil working through government. Powers. Rulers of the darkness of this age. And spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places. Our enemy is the devil and his demons. You see, they're real. Now, you don't have to believe they're real, but that doesn't make them any less real than they are, whether you believe it or not. Just like those that say they don't believe in God, that doesn't take anything away from God. God still is. So you don't have to believe in the devil. You don't want to, but he's real. In fact, the reason you don't believe in him proves that he exists because he's blinding you and deceiving you that he's not real. But the Bible says he, he is our enemy. The enemy of God, the enemy of the people of God, the enemy of the cause of Jesus Christ. He's the enemy of salvation. He's the enemy of, of people coming to know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. He's the one that's introduced all these false religions like Hinduism into this world. He's the one who has appeared as an angel of light. The Bible says he can do that. To deceive people and lead them astray. He is the one who tempts every one of us, to do wrong, to sin. He's the enemy. He's known as the enemy. 1 Peter 5, 8, the Bible says, Be sober, be vigilant. That is, be alert, be aware, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The devil is not out for you to tickle and play with. He, you can't tamper with the devil. You can't play with the things that he entices you with and not get burned. You've always heard when you were a kid, if you play with matches, what's going to happen? You're probably going to get burned or burn the house down. Man, that happened to me one time. Like I said, I love explosions. Uh, so y'all better keep a close eye on me. But when I was a kid, we had a shed. I lived on the church property. We grew up in a pastor's home. And there was a shed, and, and I love fire, and I love blowing things up. And, and you don't ever, my dad should have never trusted me with gasoline and matches at the same time. But I don't know how, we, how this happened, but we were, I was, it was just me. It was nobody around. I wasn't trying to show up. I was just fascinated. And, and I got there back behind the shed, and I was trying to make some kind of explosion. 
and I used some gasoline and mash matches and an ice cream churn. <laughs> Sounded good to me. But I didn't create an explosion, but I did catch the shed on fire. And by the grace of God, the hose was not too far away. And mom and dad still don't know about it. So, well, mom probably knows. She's in heaven with the Lord. But dad doesn't know, so next time he comes, you'll just shh. I mean, it could have burned the church down. You don't play with fire. It's going to burn you. He's the enemy. He's not out to make your life good. He's out to destroy your life. He wants to make your life a living hell. He wants to ruin your marriage. He wants to ruin your home, your kids, your family. He wants to make a wreck of your finances. He hates you. He's your enemy. He's your adversary. We have an enemy to face in the battle, but he's not someone to be scared of. Now, you can be afraid. You know, we learned this yesterday in our men's retreat. The most often repeated command in the Scripture. Men, tell me what it is. Say it out loud. Fear not. The most often repeated command in Scripture is fear not, do not be afraid. But you're facing an enemy that's more powerful and more numerous than you. How can you not be afraid? That's why it says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. We have someone on our side with us who's greater than the, the devil. Greater is he who is in me than what? He who is in the world. Yes, your knees may shake together. Yes, there's some things that, uh, that you don't understand and may make you quake, but courage is taking action in the face of fear. When you don't want to, you do it. We have an enemy to face in the battle. I want you to look back here. My wife reminded me of this this week as I was telling her what I was preaching. Look at and four times in verse 11, 12, and 13, 14. See if you pick up on the repetition of one word. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Drop down to verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, have... Y'all, what word keeps popping out? Y'all pretty smart. Stand. Stand your ground. Stand and face the enemy. Don't retreat. Listen, that's what the church of Jesus Christ needs to do in this day, in this culture, at this time. God puts you here. You say, why was I born in such turbulent times? Why could it have been easier? Listen, God puts you here for such a time as this to stand and to stand strong for Him. One of the things Tana pointed out is that it, Paul is looking at that Roman soldier and he's describing the armor of God. And, and most every piece of that armor was designed to cover and protect the front part of his body. But the moment he turned his back, he was fully exposed. Again, I like to watch nature shows and I like to watch the lions of Africa pounce on a wildebeest and drag it to the ground and... You know, it sounds gross to you, but I don't know why I like that. I tell you, I'm weird. I like explosions and devourers. So here's the devil. He's the devourer. He's the lion. 
He's looking, first of all, to get you out of the herd. Some of you here think, I don't need other Christians. You're right. You don't need other Christians to get yourself to, he to, get to heaven, but you do need other Christians to survive in this world. Pity the fool, to quote Mr. T. I never thought I'd quote Mr. T from the pulpit. <laughs> I pity the fool who thinks that he or she can live the Christian life without the church. I'd be willing to bet you aren't living the Christian life without the church. Those people that think they can, they're not. What does a lion do? Actually, by the way, the male lions don't hunt. It's the female lions that do all the work. I heard every woman snicker and say in their hearts, Amen! It's the only thing some of you women are going to hear all during the service. But what do they do? They see a herd of wildebeest, and they're looking for the weak one, the young and inexperienced, and then they try to cut them from the herd. Right? But you know what I've noticed also in watching those shows? That, that sometimes that wildebeest, even though they've been cut from the herd, it takes a quite a long time for those lionesses to drag that wildebeest to the ground because that wildebeest stopped running and started facing the lion. And as long as that, lion, that, that wildebeest could stay in front of those lions and, and face that lion, it had a chance. And I've seen some watching those shows escape because they faced the enemy. It's when you retreat from God's people, when you retreat from God's word, when you abandon your post, that you're most susceptible to your enemy. We have an enemy to face. Thirdly, every soldier has a cause to uphold and defend, an enemy to face in battle, and weapons and armor to take up. God doesn't leave us defenseless. Our weapons are not physical weapons. You know, yeah, I, I would, that's one of the things about the military. I would like to be able to fly over something and drop some bombs, you know, and, or I'd like to shoot it. I don't want to kill anybody, but just shoot and explode things. But we don't have those kind of weapons. We have spiritual weapons. Listen to what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 3. He says, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. You see, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but we're in the flesh and blood. So how do we do spiritual battle as flesh and blood people? The weapons of our warfare are not according to the flesh, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Paul is saying that our weapons are not of this world. Our weapons are of God. And he lists them here. Our weapons and our armor are listed here in Ephesians chapter 6. Notice what he says, and I'm going to spend more time on this tonight at 5.30 in our Bible study just talking more about these individual weapons. I don't have time here this morning, but notice what he says. He says, 
uh, gird your waist with truth. He's looking at this Roman soldier. He sees this Roman soldier's got this belt that surrounds everything and kind of holds all the pieces of the armor together. Even the breastplate is connected to the belt and supports it. Even the sword is, is, connect, is in a scabbard connected to the belt. And it all is connected to his belt. And, and Paul says that is the truth. The truth of God, the truth of God's word is what should surround the Christian and from which every other weapon flows. The truth of God's word. And our nation, our world today is attacking the truth of God's word saying there is no such thing as absolute truth. You Christians trying to force it down our, net, our throats. No, we're not trying to force anything. We're just standing. We're standing on the truth and we're not moving. It surrounds us. It's everything. That we are. If there is no absolute truth, there is no God. And if there's no God, we're all doomed. You know, our weapons, he says, not only the belt of truth, but the breastplate of righteousness. The devil wants you to think you're good enough. Or that you can be, or that you can be good enough to get to heaven. Or that it's all about your righteousness. And I see it's already noon. But we're, we do not have righteousness of our own. We need the righteousness of Christ. We're going to talk more about these tonight. I, if you're not involved in one of those other discipleship classes, I hope you'll be here tonight as I detail more about the weapons of our war, warfare. You know, those of you who were in the military, what, what, what would you have thought if you signed up to join the military? You enlisted. You, you gave whatever it was, four years or six years or ten years or maybe your whole life to the military, but they didn't give you any equipment. They didn't give you any kind of support out there on the battlefield. They didn't give you any kind of communications equipment. They didn't give you any kind of weaponry or armor to protect yourself. I mean, you would feel very vulnerable, very exposed. God doesn't do that to us. We are a soldier we are his soldier, and he has given us weapons at our disposal. And listen, these are not weapons of this world. They're weapons that can destroy what the devil's doing. He said that can pull down strongholds, cast down imaginations. He said these things are effective at work. Now, I want to share one more with you before I close. One that he mentions that we don't typically consider as a weapon. In fact, as Paul's looking at this Roman soldier, when he gets to this particular piece of weaponry in his mind, he doesn't see a corresponding weapon or piece of armor on the Roman soldier. So he kind of adds it on into verse 18. And, you know, Paul doesn't give us a, a, a piece of battle gear to equate this to with the Roman soldier. But maybe we could call it our secret weapon. You know how armies and militaries are. We're always trying to get the upper hand against our enemies by creating and designing new and improved weapons. Well, this weapon is the secret weapon that God has given to us to fight enemy forces. This weapon is something that the enemy doesn't have, that the enemy cannot stop, that the enemy cannot thwart. There's no defense against this type of weapon. But if Paul were writing the book of Ephesians today and comparing our pieces of spiritual armor to the types of armor and weapons used in modern warfare. You see, he was looking at an ancient Roman soldier. But if he were looking at a modern warfare soldier, then I think he probably would have had a more ready illustration what this secret weapon is. This weapon began to be used in the Korean and Vietnam Wars. 
We saw it used in Desert Storm in the Gulf War and recently with the war in Iraq and against ISIS. This weapon is a perfect example of this last piece of armor or weaponry that God has given us. And what is it? Well, Paul would call it air support. When a platoon is under fire, they grab the radio and they call in, are there any planes in the area, any jets in the area? And they call in for air support. They give the coordinates of where they need those bombs dropped. And as quickly as possible, those jets fly over and drop bombs onto the coordinates. Now, I looked on the internet as I was... You can, if you will go to YouTube and just search on YouTube, air support or call in for... You can watch dozens of videos of, of soldiers calling in air support and just bombs being dropped on, on these enemy forces. And they do it routinely. Routinely. Because you see... They use their, their rifles or maybe their rocket launchers or, or uh, tanks, but then they reach an impregnable force that ground troops cannot penetrate. And they realize if they don't do something quick, they're about to be overrun. So they call in for air support. Paul, if he were writing today, would have written to us about the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the gospel, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the word of God, and finally, verses 18 to 20, the air support of prayer. Or maybe we could say the laser-guided smart bombs of prayer. C.S. Lewis wrote in his book, In Mere Christianity, that this world is enemy-occupied territory and that Christianity is the story of how the rightful king has landed and is calling us all to take part in a great campaign of sabotage. And it is primarily through prayer that much of the sabotage takes place. Prayer is how we fight spiritually back against the enemy, fight back the enemy. Prayer is fundamentally warfare activity. Did y'all watch the most popular movie this year entitled, what was it? War Room? What was War Room about? Prayer. Miss Clara took the enemy out on her knees. Paul and many of the apostles learned this. Like in Acts chapter 12 is an example. Here's Peter. Peter is chained in prison behind bars. The church is gathered to pray. They're praying. What do they pray for? Release Peter. Now, they had just watched one of their brothers, James, one of their Christian brothers, be beheaded by Herod. Here's Peter in Herod's prison. What are they thinking is going to happen to Peter? He's going to have his head cut off too for preaching the gospel, for standing for God's truth. So the church gets together and they begin praying, Lord, please release Peter. Lord, please. And they just pray. Next thing you know, they hear a knock at the door. Girl runs to the door, opens the door, and Peter! She shuts the door, she runs back to the church, she goes, Peter's at the door, Peter's at the door, Peter's at the door. Oh, settle down, settle down. It's all right. Peter's not really at the door. But we're praying for him to be released. And how the church prays a lot of times? <laughs> Peter's still knocking. Finally, they let him in, and boy, they're rejoicing. How did that happen? Well, the Bible says when I were, while they were praying, an earthquake came. Or No, 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 not in this instance. 
the angel of the Lord came. Just walked through the guards, walked through the cell, walked over to Peter, snap, 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 unlocked everything, walked through the closed doors, walked through the sleeping guards, and right out to the church where they were praying. Power of prayer. Listen, it works. Peter, Paul, and Silas sitting in a Philippian jail. Again, chained, hand and foot, behind, closed, prison cells. It says they're praying and singing, praying and praising. Praying and praising. All of a sudden an earthquake comes, shakes the doors open, shakes the shackles off their hands and their feet. And the Philippian jailer's about to commit suicide because he knows every one of those prisoners probably took off and ran, and it's his life or theirs. Paul said, don't do yourself any harm. He said, we're all still here. That Philippian jailer ran to their cell and said, sir, tell me what I must do to be saved. That night, that Philippian jailer, his wife, his kids, his whole household came to know the Lord through the power of God's people praying. Listen, prayer is one of the greatest weapons. It is our air support. Listen, you can call on God at any time for help, and he comes running to the aid of his people. I encourage you to put on the weapons that God tells us to, to put on the armor that God tells us to in his word. But don't forget that peace that puts it all together, that weapon of air support of prayer. God is there for you. When you think the battle is so hot, so intense, cry out to him. He's there. Man, those jets, those angels, whatever he sends will come zooming in and help you, deliver you. may not be in the way you think it ought to be, but he'll give you what you need and what you want as you're facing your enemy. I'm a soldier. You are a soldier. Let's not desert our post. We have a cause to uphold and defend. We have an enemy to face in battle. We have the weapons and armor at our disposal. And we have a secret weapon that the devil can do nothing to thwart that air support of prayer. Father God, I pray that you would help us today and this week and the rest of our lives to be the soldier that you've called us to be in this war against Christianity, against you, Lord. They're fighting against you. And Lord, sometimes we take it personally like it's against us. But Lord, it's against you. They, the devil hates you. And his crowd hates you. And they're just lashing out against the ones that represent you. That's us, the church. But Lord, I pray that we would stand strong in the Lord. That we would not be afraid. That we would stand in our position. We would not abandon our post. That we would face the enemy armed with your armor and with your weapons. And when the battle seems so intense, and Lord, even before it gets that, to that point, that we would remember that we have a God above us. That we can call on His power at any moment. And you're there. Dropping those bombs of deliverance on our behalf. Lord, if there's anyone here today